You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. We're authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin, and we're here to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Tune in each week to real life conversations with the experts about real issues Christian parents face today. If you're ready to learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number 47 of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today and helping you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Before we get started, Brooke and I want to let each of you know that you have been in our prayers over the last month or so as entire lives have been turned upside down by the COVID-19 pandemic. Absolutely. We are right there with you, friends. Both of our husbands are working as first responders in this mess, and and Erin and I are home with all of our boys, juggling work and education and all the mom things just like you are. Time for us is a little bit limited, but also a little bit luxury. It's limited because our boys are home and they need our attention more than ever, but it's also a luxury because we're not running around like crazy people trying to do all the things all the time. And for that reason, we thought it was the perfect time to announce a pretty major change to our spring edition of Pray the Word Journal, available now as a digital download. One of the only pieces of what you might call negative feedback that we get from our Pray the Word Journal users is that they have a hard time finishing one journal before the next one releases. So in this season, when we're all at home, we thought it would be a great idea to unveil a big change to the daily pages that is designed to fix that very problem. And it is a big change, but it's a pretty simple one too. And we're excited about how it's going to impact you. So instead of having five daily pages inside of each week, there will now only be four. So you'll start your week with the devotion and then find notes pages just after it where you can take notes, write out prayers of your own, or respond to the devotion, whatever you want. Then, after the notes pages, there will be four daily pages formatted exactly like they've always been formatted. This leaves room for you to have an extra day of the week to make up a missed day or just take a day off. We think you're really going to love it. Now, allow us just a moment to tell you about this edition. It's our favorite. And I know we say that every time, but friends, there is something special about this one. We create the content for these journals six to nine months in advance, and we had no way of knowing what life would bring. No one knew we would be in the midst of a quarantine when this content became available. No one except God who is in control of all of it. And boy, did he know. This edition, which takes us on a prayer journey through the book of Mark, is the most gospel-centric version of Pray the Word Journal to date. Inside, you'll pray for yourself and your children to do things like follow Jesus, be amazed by Jesus, do whatever it takes to get to Jesus, listen to Jesus, proclaim Jesus, be satisfied with Jesus, and so much more. I really can't think of better prayers than those for such a time as this. Head over to millionprayingmoms.com right now to find the link you need to purchase your copy of Pray the Word Journal, the Mark Edition. 
it's easier than ever to get access. And now, because we're offering it as a digital download, it's available outside of the United States. I just love that we can make it available internationally now. And we're so thankful that the Lord has made this option available to us. Now, Erin, let's go ahead and dive into today's show. Our guest for today is Becky Keefe, L.A. girl, mom of three boys, and community manager for Encourage. And she's also the author of No Better Mom for the Job, Parenting with Confidence Even When You Don't Feel Cut Out for It. Oh, I love that title so much. We're excited to have Becky on the show today because there's quite possibly never been a time when moms need to know their worth to their families more than they do now. It's been a challenging time, to say the least. I think we're understating that greatly. Um, But as we've come together as families with our children home for extended periods of time, and we don't even know how long at this point. So many moms I know have expressed how they think someone else could do a better job. I know I've heard that quite a bit. But I have Becky felt is, that myself sometimes. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I know. You know, there are many days where I think, somebody else, please come do this because I'm not cutting it out, you know. <laughs> but Becky is here to share a different message, and I'm so grateful for it. Becky, welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself and your family. Thank you so much, Erin and Brooke. It's just a joy to be here with you. Um, So like you mentioned, I live in the greater LA area with my husband. We've been married for almost 15 years, and we have three spirited boys, as I like to call them. Yeah, Erin and I don't know anything about that. I'm sure you don't. don't. I'll have to educate you about what it's like (laughs) to raise spirited boys. Um, But my boys are now 11, almost 10, almost 8. So. yeah, normally we enjoy hiking our beautiful sunny trails and it kind of breaks my heart that those are closed right now. But so really, uh, I mean, I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, but really I'm just a mom in the thick of it, just like all of us right now. Um, and it's, it's just a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Awesome. All right. So let's just go straight for the jugular to start off our show today. Why do we as moms always seem to feel like we're doing such a shoddy job of parenting our kids. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of factors for sure. Comparison can play a large part. Social media and Pinterest give us nonstop input on what motherhood could or often in our minds should look like. But when I think about the number one reason why moms, myself included, can feel like we're constantly failing, I really believe it's because we care so much. We love our kids with every fiber of our being, and we really want the best for them. And so I think it comes from that, that knowledge that the stakes are so high. We want to love and train and prepare our kids well. And so this is way deeper than just, you know, my, my Instagram feed doesn't look like so-and-so's. Like it's not, I don't think it's really about that. I think it's really about the fact that we want to steward the gift and privilege of motherhood well but we can end up putting all of that pressure on ourselves and our own strength and having some expectations of ourselves. And that's just a weight that's too much to carry. It is, it is for me. Yeah, I was just going to say that one of the things I've heard most is, is the moms that are feeling like they're failing and feel like somebody could do it better actually are good moms because they care about how they're mothering, you know, like that was really encouraging to me when, 
especially when the kids were younger and we homeschooled for a while. And there were days where I really got into that. I should like this more. I should like being with them. I like, I'm, I'm not doing this right. Like, how could I, how could I do this better? And putting a lot of pressure on myself. And and one of my really good friends who was further along in the motherhood journey said, Aaron, the fact that you care so much about this means you are a good mom. And like, you're, you're putting that pressure on yourself because you think, you know, it should look like this or like that, but we do care a lot. And that makes us look to other things to make it better. And right. Yeah. And second guess ourselves and all of that. And we wouldn't do that if we didn't care. Exactly. So it's actually those feelings that we identify as inadequacy or insecurity or just feeling like I'm not cut out for this. They're actually actually an indication that we are, are cut out for this. We are wired. And whether we came to motherhood by birth or adoption or fostering, the same it, it's it's the same in the fact that like we care so much and we want to do this well and want to yeah, just give our kids everything we have. And so instead of heaping on more pressure, I have found that the key is to see that those feelings actually as an invitation from God to say, you're right. This is important. This is weighty. And you can only do important, weighty things by my strength in you. Oh, yeah, that's really good. There was one other thing that you touched on that I think is actually really important for us to um, dive into a little bit more. Because when my kids were little, I was not on social media yet um, Mm -hmm, when they were really young. Um, And even though those early years were hard in their own way, I felt like once Facebook and Twitter and Instagram entered my life, I started to think less of myself as a mom. Mm -hmm. And that is such an important thing to remind moms of that, that that is something that is influencing how we think of ourselves as mothers that wasn't there before. Like you couldn't always see what so-and-so's playroom looked like um, or what they're feeding their kids for lunch or what their schedule. Like I don't know when all of this started, there were all these like magical schedules that will make everything about staying home be wonderful. Guess what? I tried a bunch of them and they did not work for my family. And I felt bad about myself and that would not have happened before social media. I don't know. Like is that your experience as well? Yeah, absolutely. And And it's one of those things that even though we can all, we all know it, we all know that social media is essentially a highlight reel. Mm -hmm. It's not a full picture of life's blessings and struggles. And even for those of us, like I try to be very intentional. I know you girls do too, about being authentic and transparent on social media. But the truth is, even if I share a photo or caption that talks a little bit about a meltdown one of my kids had or the anxiety that I'm feeling or a struggle in my marriage. Even still, that does not give the full picture. Someone is not seeing the full behind the scenes of all the conversations and sleepless nights and tears and whatever it is. And so, but somehow we, we don't, when we are scrolling our phones late at night or to numb out when our kids (laughs) are, you know, doing whatever, especially during this time, you know, (laughs) I may or may not have been sitting on my, on top of my dryer eating chips while my kids were doing who knows what, because I just needed a timeout. But when we're doing that, sounds reasonable, right? I think it is. I (laughs) think it is. But, um, but when we're doing that, I, 
I am only focused on those little squares. I'm not thinking about, oh, well, Brooke may be praying for a family, but also X, Y, Z is happening. You know what I mean? There is a lot of X, Y, (laughs) Z happening in our home right now. I just want to be really transparent about that. For every time we're all holy, there is a lot of X, Y, Z that's happening too. (laughs) Right. And so we, the, the social media is, I feel like it's such a gift, but the, the downside, the dark side is that subconsciously we end up pitting our full stories, our full known weaknesses and struggles against someone else's small little perceived strengths of what we can see in those little squares. And so I think that a huge part of that is just to, to recognize this. And when those feelings of like, should, could, why am I not like more like her? My kids will be better if I did X, Y, Z. This is just, I'm not cut out for this to recognize, okay, where are those feelings coming from? And for me, sometimes as a mom, I just, I got to delete the app. I got to put down the phone. I got to recognize when I start, you know, just numbing out and scrolling and being like, you know what, really sometimes what you have to do in those moments is press in where you want to check out from. I want to check out from the heart of motherhood, but maybe I'm actually supposed to press in there and just sit down and be with my kids or whatever it is in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's interesting as three women who in some capacity lead other women, right? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the reality God's given us the ability to do that. And it's not something I know that, that none of us take that lightly, but the way that I kind of live my life, both in social media and in the things that I write about are, it's almost like an experiment in what's going well. So what's working for me? My, my Mm. mission has always been to share what God's teaching me as I go. So mm-hmm. when you're looking at, you know, my Instagram or Aaron's Instagram or Becky's Instagram, you may be seeing the one thing that went right that's worth sharing. Like, okay, we we did it, you know, a hundred times wrong and here's the the one right thing that we finally got to, but we might not have shared all the hundred wrong things that it took to get there. So I think that's a, a good perspective as well is that as we're as we're trying to encourage people. And as, as moms are looking for encouragement, and I know we all look for that encouragement in people as well. Um, there may have been literally a hundred things that went wrong before they got to what was right. Absolutely. Oh, Brooke, I'm going to just like, <laughs> I needed that message today. That is, that <laughs> is, that, that is so true. And, and whether someone, you know, even if you're a mom listening and your influence, you know, doesn't extend in some type of formal or online ministry or other ways like that, that is still true for, for, for your friends and how you share with them. And so, Oh, that's such a good word. Yeah. There's, there's a whole lot there with social media and motherhood. And I'm glad we got to touch on that a little bit, but let's get back to your book. I love this quote from it. It says language of absolutes is rarely helpful always and never would best be lost in the dryer with all the random socks. <laughs> that is so great because we can all relate to lost dryer socks, but always and never. Tell us what you mean by that. Why do we need to lose those words? Yeah. So in the book, I talk a lot about how I re- came to recognize that my negative internal dialogue as a mom, especially in the little years, was a huge contributor to my feelings of inadequacy. And part of that negative internal dialogue was words like never and always were a huge part of my vocabulary of how I talked to myself about motherhood. So for example, I would say things to myself like, 
motherhood will always be like this. I will never have enough time to get everything done. I'll never have enough time to go to the bathroom by myself without someone interrupting me. Um, I will never get enough personal space or sleep. I will always be exhausted. So I was using these, this language of absolutes, always and never. And so when I say like that, we gotta, we gotta lose those words like those socks in the dry get lost is because the feeling of overwhelm, was it true to my experience? Yes. In that moment, I did feel like I'm not cut out for this. I'm always going to be exhausted, whatever it was. But telling myself that my life was unmanageable, that I wasn't cut out for the job, it wasn't going to change my reality or my mentality. It was just going to make me sink deeper, quicker. Um, I also told my things, myself things like, my kid will never be able to sit still. I remember thinking that so clearly. And guess what? That won't sit still toddler is now a fifth grader who is usually um, self-controlled and respectful and able to sit still at the dinner table and at school. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that thought in my head of it will always be like this was not true. And so I found it was empowering as a mom to catch myself with those thoughts. And I still want to be honest about what was happening, but instead I could say, today I feel fill in the blank. Today I feel exhausted. In this season, this fill in the blank is a challenge. Yeah, and I would say personally, in, in my experience, I found those always and never words really beat me up when my kids were very young, specifically okay. as it related to my firstborn because I had never done this before, right? So I, I really didn't have perspective that this actually wasn't going to happen forever. So I mean, I knew that he wasn't going to be in diapers forever. I knew we, you know, I knew he wasn't going to be in the fifth grade still trying to learn how to potty train or, or whatever. But there were certain challenges that we had with our kids that I really did find it difficult in the beginning to get mm -hmm. out of that mind frame that said, this is, this is always going to be this way. This is always going to be our struggle. And for me, what it took to get beyond that was just waiting a little while and then having that hindsight to go back and say, it actually didn't stay that way forever. And so if you're a mom right now that's listening, you're a mom of very littles, and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know that we're ever go this is ever going to change. We just want to say, we get that. And we know that there's a certain amount of fog that comes with, with you know, the little stage and, and just trying to think straight and, and get your emotions straight when, you know, your hormones can be out of whack as well. But if you will just stay in the game and, and wait a little while, you will be able to look back on certain things in your motherhood and say, it didn't stay that way. And that firsthand experience of knowing and, and experiencing that things are going to change and get better, um, it really gives you the faith to believe it for whatever the next stage is in. Like now that my kids are older, and, and we're dealing with different kinds of things, right? All kinds of different things. I have the ability to say and know this is not going to be something we deal with forever. But I didn't necessarily have that insight when they were really young. So I just felt like it was important for a mom to hear that. If you're listening, you really are struggling to believe that it's ever going to change. Give it a year and then look back and you'll be able to see that. Yeah, I was also going to say that when you're using those always and never words, it 
kind of like puts on blinders to keep mm-hmm. you from seeing any growth. Like if, if you're like, they're always going to disobey me. They're always going to, it like, it gets you in like putting on those kind of glasses where that's all you can see instead of looking for growth and looking for change. And like hindsight is a great thing, but if, if you still have the always or never goggles on, you won't see any change or any progress in any, any capacity. So I, I think that's so uh, profound to take those off and say today instead. I love how you said that because each day is a new day. The, we have new mercies every day. Praise the Lord. Like I've never right. been more thankful for that than as a mother and saying always and never does not recognize the fact that God makes all things new and, and we have a, a new chance every new day. And so um, that's such a good word. And I actually, I really wish I would have heard that when I was a mom yeah. of littles, but it's good now too, yeah. when we're all stuck at home together. Yeah. And I <laughs> do think as well that using the words always and never limits what God can do. You're limiting what God can do in your life and you're focusing on yourself and your situation rather than keeping your eyes on Christ. So if you're going to use always and never words, use them about God. God will always supply my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Um, You know, I could think of a bunch of always and never verses that you can be preaching to yourself rather than getting trapped in the moment of your day. Um, So I love that. And I think this conversation, it leads us right into the next question, this idea of really focusing on ourselves and feeling like a victim because always and never can can absolutely sink you right into that victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And it's a real thing for motherhood. And like, I just want to say, nobody here is trying to say that motherhood isn't hard. It is hard. You guys, I've done a lot of hard things and nothing even comes close to how hard motherhood is. I think we can all agree on that here with eight boys between us. Like it's, it's hard. There are moments and you girl moms, it's hard for you too. We get that. But you mentioned something in chapter one that caught my attention because I have really experienced this myself. Sometimes motherhood makes us feel like a victim, like, like life is happening to us instead Mm -hmm. of us participating with life and that we're powerless to do anything about it. So talk to us about that issue and like, what's the answer? What do we do when we find ourselves in that victim mentality? Yeah. Thank you for saying that, Brooke. Just, just to reiterate and just say, yes, like motherhood is hard. Even as someone who has written a book about parenting with confidence, Motherhood is capital H, capital A, capital R, capital D. It's hard. Um, it's also beautiful and it's a gift, but um, yeah, nothing has stretched me in every possible physical, emotional, spiritual, mental way, brought me to my knees like motherhood. And so um, absolutely, it is hard. And, and I found myself, especially when my boys were young, but it could, something that can creep back in is, is this victim mentality of feeling like this life is happening to me. And it all comes down, I believe, to the power of perspective. And just like we were talking about with that negative internal dialogue. Um, And I think that the reason why we can start feeling like a victim of our lives is because as moms, um, we realize that we cannot control our children. (laughs) We, um, We can train them, we can love them, we can 
help shape them. But when it comes down to it, we do not have actual control over our kids' temperaments or personalities. We don't have control over how our spouse or other people in our lives will respond to us, will react, their feelings. And so for me, I think a lot of that victim mentality came to the came out of this feeling of of out of controlness. And I wouldn't have even recognized named it as that at the time. Um, and also and also discontentment of just feeling like kind of what you said earlier, Erin, like, shouldn't I love this more? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't this fulfill every part of me? Um, and so what I realized, and I think that could be helpful for someone listening today is just to acknowledge the fact that like, you don't have control. Like I couldn't change my kids' personalities or the size of our home, but I did have the power to see God's gifts and his grace and his presence in the middle of my motherhood. I could change my attitude. And for me, I found a whole lot of freedom and transformation in intentional gratitude, in stopping when I was feeling like that victim, like this is happening to me. I cannot get out of this life um, and stopping in the moment and giving thanks for what is not what I wish it would be. But right now in this moment, small little things, you know, a son's fierce hug leftovers so I didn't have to cook dinner, um, socks warm from the dryer, a kid staying on timeout for <laughs> a lot of time, you know, brothers saying sorry, whatever it is to stop and give thanks in the moment. Um, and it unlocked that cycle of discontentment and I'm out of control because I stopped thinking about all that wasn't happening and God, what is happening? How can I see you right here, right now? Yeah. And also that like, I love your list of gratitude there because those are things you have to look for and name as, as grateful. Like whoever thought in our lives, we would say we were grateful for leftovers. <laughs> but I went, when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for leftovers right now. It's just like these little things that you have to see as, um, as the gifts in the day. Um, when you're talking about the victim thing, I remember really strongly feeling that when I was homeschooling because I was with the kids all the time and I was getting every emotion, every um, experience they were going through in life, everything was happening together and all of us together. And a lot of times I would feel like their choices, which I did not have control over, like you said, were personal attacks on mm. me. Like I would feel like they are doing this a because they hate me or B because I did a bad job somewhere along the way. And I am the victim now of, of, mm -hmm. of those things. And so, um, I had a friend once tell me, um, and this was after they started going to school and I was getting less of it, but I was getting it when they'd come home and uh -huh. emotions would, you know, spill out and all of that. And she said, she said, Aaron, that's because they feel safe at home. Like they can let all of their stuff out and it's not a personal attack on you. Like mm -hmm. she kind of said to me, don't make this about you. Like, and mm -hmm. I was, it was in a very loving way, but I needed somebody to say, my kids' choices are not always about me. Like this is not an attack on me or because I did something wrong or whatever. I was making whatever they were doing about me. How could you do this to me? How could you, um, you know, 
ruin this experience for me or whatever. And I needed to shift out of that mindset of it being about me and think about what is this saying about them and their choices and their emotional state and what they're going through. And that really helped me shift out of that victim mentality to say, this is not personal. This mm -hmm. is, this is about them and not about me. And how can I help them through it and not think about how could, how dare they do this to me? <laughs> you know, because it's not all, it's not a reflection on us always. It's not, um, and it's not always personal. It's just, we're getting everything because they're around us all the time. Yeah, that's, that, that's so, that's so good, Erin. I can totally relate with that too. I remember when it happened with all of my boys, but especially with one, once he went to school and I was worried about how he'd behave at school and he did fantastic in the classroom, but he used up every ounce of patience and self-control and impulse control and just let loose all of those emotions at home. And I felt trapped. Like I dreaded that one thirty pickup because I knew that I was getting ready to like, just be on the receiving end of just all of this meltdown. But um, but it also reminds me not only what you're saying, it's so true. It's not about us. It's about, okay, it's about this, this child and how can we come in and help shepherd and steward and <laughs> help train them to, to manage their emotions. But also again, those always endeavors, it could feel like in that moment, like it's always going to be this way. Like this kid is always going to have this and I'm always going to feel trapped by it. And to say, Lord, could you come in? Like, I don't know what to do in this moment, but but you do. And you love my son more than I could. You don't want him to stay stuck in the cycle of emotions. You want to help me react with compassion and gentleness and not like my knee jerk impatience or irritation, you know? And so even in those moments of feeling like a victim is another opportunity to say, God, I need your power. I need your presence. I'm not meant to do this on my own. Where are you in it? What you just did, Becky, was the one thing that changed everything for me when I was a young mother. And it continues to be what I, what I act out. Um, I wasn't so much aware of it in the beginning, but I am now. And that is, I took my initial feeling, my always or never, right? And I, I asked God to make me aware of it. Mm. And I would stop it. Sometimes I would even say the word stop out loud just to like force myself uh, mentally and spiritually and emotionally to have a break as if I was putting my hand up in the face of the enemy that wanted me to believe a lie. And, and I would say, God, this is what you want. Mm. This is what you say. This is what your word says. This is the truth. So it was that put off, put on kind of scenario that, that Christians are called to do all the time. But that practice, that put off, put on practice changed my entire perspective. And you just demonstrated it with what you said. And that mm -hmm. is, that's the thing that saved me as a mother was that ability to start becoming aware of when I was getting stuck in the always and nevers, or when I was letting my emotions lead me instead of letting the truth of God's word lead me. Um, and I'm still not perfect at it. You know, 15 years later, I'm still not perfect at it, but I became aware of it. And it gave me a power and empower an empowering feeling as a mom that I didn't have to stay stuck in that always and never. And it was just beautiful. So I just wanted to point out that you 
Like what you just took us through in your words was exactly what God taught me to do as a young mom to dig myself out of those always and nevers. Yeah. So we went from this victim idea, like we're feeling like a victim. And one of the topics I found very interesting in the book is the concept of our kids, these people we love most in the world, bringing out the worst in us. And I have to say, I just said a big amen when <laughs> on that topic. Um, I feel like every single mom listening can relate, at least at times, to turning into someone they don't even recognize. And I have said this a million times. I never knew I could get angry until I had kids. Like, I do not have recollection of feeling really angry about anything Mm -hmm. until my kids pushed a button that like, I just was like, Oh my gosh, I have never felt this way before. And, um, and that's what we're talking about. Like they can bring out the worst in us. Um, it reminds me of Luke six 45, which says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And in this moment, I don't really love what came out because you know, what came out of my heart. And, um, and out of my mouth. So I know other moms are feeling the same thing. And maybe even right now with what we're going through, it's amplified Mm -hmm. um, because we're in situations none of us have ever been in before. We have not gone through this scenario before and it could be bringing out the absolute worst. So how do we help moms understand what's happening? If they're like, oh my gosh, who am I? Mm -hmm. And how can we move back toward being a person that looks more like Jesus or that you are okay with? Like I'm, yes, this is who I am. I'm proud to say that this is who I am. Yeah. Um, Oh my goodness. I think, I think there's some moms out there who right now, I mean, listen to this conversation, but if you resonate with this, there's a whole chapter in the book called when the people you love the most bring out your worst. And I just want you to know like that you are not alone. And I had the same experience, Erin. I did not know I was an angry person until I had children, (laughs) which feels so wrong because I also didn't know the depth of my capacity Mm. to love and delight and feel joy until I became a mom. And yet, and so I feel like that that's right there. That's why it's, it's so jarring. It's so just unexpected and it shocks our system um, to, to experience just the dichotomy of this intense love and joy and then also this bubbling up intense anger or frustration or irritation, however you want to name it. Um, and so I absolutely have experienced that in motherhood. Um, I mean, I think there's lots of reasons why this happens. Certainly a lack of sleep. Um, hormones being out of control, the physical and emotional demands of motherhood, those feelings that we talked about already about feeling out of control, those can all add up to just this. I feel like it it starts with like a a low simmer, at least for me, it's like a little frustrated. I'm a little on edge. I'm a little tired of being poked and asked for another snack. And I just gave you a drink of water and please flush the toilet. And you know, like, and, but you know, we can, we can respond, we can deal with it. And usually for me, the things that would set me off are not some catastrophic in-your-face disobedience or it was usually just like that, kind of like a pressure cooker. Like the pressure was just boiling on the surface and that one thing was just too much and my lid blew. Um, And 
I know for me, and I've heard this from other moms, what happens in those moments is this, this blanket of shame comes over us, right? And comes over our motherhood. And then it's like this, I almost think of it as like a weighted blanket, but not like the good soothing kind, like the like oppressive, you're at the dentist about to get your teeth drilled, weighted, you know, protector kind. And it's like, it's hard to move past and through motherhood or towards Jesus in those moments when we're like, who am I? Like, and you just feel shame all about it. So there's so much we could talk about this, but the I wanted to share three main things that the Lord used to help me break through my sin of anger. Cause we got to call it what it is. It is sin. Amen. It's not wrong to feel angry, mm-hmm. but my, my actions of, of anger were, were sinful. And even if my kids w- had disobeyed or there's something wrong about their, beha- their behavior that needed to be corrected, it didn't justify my poor response. And right. so three things that, that God used to help me, I'm still in process, but I have to tell you, I have made such progress. I think about always and never. I there was times in my motherhood I felt like I will, I will always be like this. I will always not be able to control my tongue. I will never be gentle like the way I want to be. And I'll tell you that God has done transformative work in my motherhood. And number one was being rooted in the Word and prayer, not does not translate into you have to sit by a candle and have an hour of quiet time <laughs> right. when you have a bunch of littles underfoot or even teenagers or whatever your season motherhood. If you can do that, great. But just every day, if there's one verse that you can cling to. And for me, um, in that season, it was absolutely James 1, 19 through 20. And I wrote it on sticky notes and index cards around my house. And I memorized it because it says this, my dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so I made that my prayer in those moments. Sometimes it meant walking away from the child who was pushing my buttons and saying, I love you. I've got, mommy's got to make a good choice. I got to take a time out. I will be back and we'll talk about this. Just being rooted in the word and in prayer, even if it's just a help me, Jesus, in this moment. God, I feel out of control. Would you help me right now? Would you come and intervene? Would you give me the wisdom that I lack? Um, And the second thing was getting honest with and accountable to friends. There were years where I didn't admit to anyone that I struggled with anger. I was ashamed. I was like, if my neighbors probably know I struggle with anger, they can probably hear what is happening in this house. But I was so convinced that I was the only one who had this experience of the people I love the most bringing out my worst. But there was something freeing when we bring our sins and our struggles out of the darkness of isolation into the light of shared experience. It, it, it breaks part of that stronghold. It starts to lift part of that shame. And so Telling a friend, like, hey, I, this is my struggle. Do you struggle too? Can, can I share this with you? There's times where I remember just feeling like I was at the end of my rope. Maybe you, right now, in the midst of social distancing and quarantine with your family, you feel at the end of your rope. And I would go and I'd sit on my back porch and I would just text like SOS prayers to a friend. Like, I, I, I don't feel equipped for this right now. This is what's happening and I'm about to lose it. Would you pray for me? Even if I couldn't pray for myself to ask a friend. So being rude in the word and prayer, getting honest with the accountable to friends 
And then number three, inviting my kids into the process of forgiveness and fresh starts. Aaron, you asked, like, how do we move back to the person we want to be? I want to be someone that points my kids to Jesus. And the way to do that is not by pretending that I am a perfect person who doesn't need a savior. No, like I'm so imperfect and my kids need to see that I'm someone who's willing to mess up, to own it. Like I talk about to my kids all the time, like own your stuff. When you make a mistake, own it. And then to, to, to ask for forgiveness, to model that. And so I feel like one of the greatest gifts of my mothering and something that God has used as a weakness and turned into a strength is to say to my kids, like, mommy messed up. Like, I'm so sorry I scared you with my anger. I should have used my words. Can we start over? Will you forgive me? Yeah, that's really beautiful. Becky, I feel like you and I have a lot in common between the the fact that you use sticky notes on a regular basis to put scriptures around your house. And <laughs> that's something I've done for years too, is like, I can, I can right here from my desk, see three sticky notes with different scriptures and things on them just in my line of eyesight right now. Um, so I love that. And I also love how you say that, you know, God has grown you so much in your motherhood. Um, I would say as well that um, God has used motherhood. And I think Aaron would say too, uh, that maybe God has used motherhood more than anything else in our lives to grow us. And, and I've come to the realization that I, there are certain sins that I might deal with or struggle with my whole life. Like Mm -hmm. I might not ever fully get over a tendency to react. I've, I've confessed on this show before that I am a classic reactor. I am, I'm getting better about it though. And because I've submitted that to the Lord, he has, he is maturing me in that. And, and I've gotten to a place where most of the time I can keep my reaction to myself Hmm. and I can get over that initial reaction a little more quickly now than I did say at the beginning of my motherhood. So I loved that you talked about that. I think I really think there are like, we, we all have certain predispositions to sin, right? Your, mm-hmm. your challenges may not be exactly the same as the challenges that I face or that another mom listening to this episode faces in her life. But motherhood is like holding up a mirror to all the ugly things in our hearts. And if we will give God the ability, if we will submit those things to him, he will mature us. It doesn't mean that we'll never struggle with it again. Like if, if you've gotten to a good place and then all of a sudden, bam, you, you fall right back into that pattern of sin, you shouldn't be discouraged because God is still working on you. Um, there was a song that just came to mind that I used to sing in church um, when I was a little girl. And it, it says, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Um, and that's the truth. We are all of us as mothers we need to give ourselves that grace that we work, we will have these common struggles, but God is allowing us to see them uh, mm. because he wants to, he wants to mature us. He wants to heal us. And that's a beautiful thing. So as I look back on all that ugly that at times came out of me, I'm actually really grateful that God did that because my word, what if he hadn't done it? Who would I be today if he had just let me stay where I was. So if you're a mom right now that's listening and you're right in the thick of that, like as Becky said before, press into it. Don't run away from it. Press into it and let God start to do that work 
Um, it may always be a temptation, but it doesn't always have to be a failure. Um, so I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing those steps. They're so good. Becky, the focus of our ministry here at Million Praying Moms is to help parents make prayer their first and best response to the challenges of parenting. And you've told us that prayer was an integral part of growing in your own motherhood. What are a few verses that our moms can pray as they're trying to give their imperfect selves to a perfect God and grow as a mom? Yeah, well, for sure that one I talked to you guys about already in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. But even before that, earlier in James 1 is one of my favorite verses, um, and it's James 1, 5, and it says that the promise, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So that right there, I feel like that is, is was, is a lifeline, a promise that as moms we can cling to, we can pray to, and I love the fact that it says not only will God give us wisdom when we ask for it, but he gives generously without finding fault. So he's not, he's not a God who is like, Oh, Aaron Brooke, like you messed up this morning. Like you, you know, you were not wise. You did not have that situation. Well, like I'm going to withhold. No, like he, his heart for us is to come alongside us and to give us his wisdom to help us know what that next step in motherhood to take. And I think about all the different kinds of challenges that we face as moms. I know like one of my kids has some learning challenges and we were trying to decide like what's the best decision to make for his schooling. And I, I did not know I had to seek God's wisdom. Um, maybe you have a child with, with a, a medical issue or, or special needs, or you're a foster or adoptive mom. I mean, there's so many areas in every everyday life that we just need God's wisdom. So, so definitely pray James 1, 5. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God and he'll give it generously. And another really simple promise and prayer that a mom can pray today is from Colossians 1, 17. And it just says this, he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And I know in motherhood in general, and especially facing a global pandemic, I can't hold it all together. I cannot hold it all together on my own, but I have the promise and the assurance that Jesus can, that he does, that he goes before all things and in him, all things hold together. And so if you are a mom and you're feeling like you're falling apart, like your family is falling apart, like you, you know, you can't cook dinner and take a shower without breaking up a fight with your kids or, you know, whatever it is, like pray that he's before all things tomorrow. God goes before us in him, all things hold together. That is beautiful. I, and I know that we need to know that he's holding it all together and not us because mm -hmm. it's not our job to do that. I love that you focus on wisdom. I think we've talked about this several times, Brooke, but the further I get in motherhood, like the more wisdom I need. Mm -hmm. um, we talk a lot about how when they're younger, it takes a lot of physical strength mm -hmm. to keep up with them and to, mm -hmm. you know, um, handle like carrying them and, and dealing with, you know, temper tantrums or, you know, so on. And as they get older, it becomes more and more mental. And I have found myself praying more and more for wisdom the older mm -hmm. they get. And we talked about how having kids shows us, you know, how angry we could get or those things. I also feel like 
the further along I get in motherhood, I'm like, wow, I am really not that smart. I really need more of God's <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> like, I was a really good student in school. I do not feel very intelligent right now. And I, need, I know that's because I need God's wisdom because everything I know from school and learning is not going to help me out in this area. And so I'm thankful for a God who answers those prayers to give us all the wisdom we need. Mm-hmm. Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and, and stay connected. Yeah. My favorite place to connect is on Instagram. I'm there at Becky Keefe sharing real life bits of motherhood and encouragement. Um, you can find out more about my book, No Better Mom for the Job, um, at nobettermombook.com or beckykeefe.com. And you can also find me writing over at Encourage. So that's Encourage with an I, encourage.me. And it's a beautiful, if you're not familiar with it, it's a beautiful online community of Christian women showing up, becoming women of courage every day. Amazing team of writers over there. You will love it and um, would love for you to just say that you heard me on this show and would love to connect with you. Awesome. All right, guys, that's it for today. As always, you can find any specifics from our show in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com, including a link to order Becky's book, No Better Mom for the Job. Tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter and two men leave because... That's how it works. (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.